We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Uh, I'm Alex. I'm with Norman, and this is a state of play podcast that me and Norman do at least once a month for our patrons who pay £8 per month for well, This week, Norman, it'll be 14 podcasts for patrons, at least 14 podcasts for patrons for just two quid. So if you like what we do, if you like the show we listen to, please come and join us. Keep this show free of charge. You also get every podcast, including this one, without the adverts that you've just heard. And the purpose of the State of Play podcast Norman, good friend of mine, uh, we talk through Newcastle United, what's been going on, what's been happening. We'll try and take a bit of a deeper look at things if we can. But there's so much to talk about this week that we couldn't just possibly concentrate on the one subject which we had planned to talk about, which was Newcastle United's fabulous performance uh, and decent result against Manchester City at home. 3-3 on Sunday just gone. Before we start talking about that, Norman, let's talk about the the news that is going to break either while we're recording or just after or certainly by tomorrow, which is Friday, and that is Alexander Isak is going to be a Newcastle United player for £60 million, pounds, euros, who knows. Uh, these are finer details which matter not to me anyway. He's going to be a record transfer. Uh, he's going to be a Newcastle United player. How buzzing are you, mate, about that? Absolutely delighted. The first thing I will clarify is that I'm going to refer to him as Isak, but I'll change that the moment I hear a Swede pronounce his surname. All right, because we all know we all know the reverberations from the Willock Willock pronunciation, <laughs> Alex. You and I both know that very well. So it's Isak until told otherwise, right? Um, I'm absolutely delighted, mate. The Euros, I thought he was outstanding at certain points. That's the first time he came on my radar, I have to be honest with you. I do follow La Liga to a certain extent, having spent, obviously, quite a few years living over in Spain, but that kind of tailed off with COVID. Football had lost interest a little bit, didn't keep up with date. But I guess if you look at how well Real Sociedad did for a couple of seasons, he obviously seemed to play a pivotal role in that, alongside, of course, former Newcastle United midfielder Mikel Marino. So I am... Absolutely over the moon. I read a tweet today. Somebody saying he cost ten million more than Alf Inger, uh, Alf Inger Holland, bloody hell, um, <laughs> Erlen Holland, um, which means literally nothing because it's all to do with contract buyouts, etc. And obviously, as we know in the Spanish league, there are players have these kind of um, contract buyout fees that they can go for, and we appear to have met that. And that's the kind of position we're in now as a club, right? We go out and maybe the players with. 50 million, but if it's going to cost an extra 10, 50 million, we'll pay it because we are that club now. Um, however, I've spoken with Benyat Barreto today, who is a journalist, a football journalist. He covers Real Sociedad for 
the local paper over in the Basque country, um, Diario Basco, and he speaks of Isak in very high regard. Obviously, we touch on the fact that last season he maybe wasn't at his best, but the two seasons prior to that he was fantastic. And I think he leaves Real Sociedad, it appears, with kind of growing references and with the love of the fans very much on his side. So delighted me. I cannot wait to see him. He offers were something completely different, I think. You know, you've got Callum Wilson in there, who is a wonderful all-round number nine centre forward. I think Isak might bring things that Wilson perhaps doesn't have. He's still going to be raw. I don't doubt it, even though he's you know, he's had a couple of, well, three seasons in, in La Liga. He's he's proven himself over there. He's proven himself for the Swedish national team. But the Premier League is a different matter. You know, we look at how Mikel Mourinho struggled to adapt, went back to Spain. He's done brilliantly well. So it, it will take a bit of time, I'd imagine. But in terms of the potential he's got, what I've learned him so far, I mean, he looks like he could be a really fantastic player and one who may well be spearheading Newcastle in the Champions League in a couple of years. And I don't mean that um, as any sense of exaggeration. Mate, that's... The kind of signing we're making now is a signing with an eye on being in the Champions League conversation the next couple of years. Don't doubt it. Yeah, and can't wait to listen to that conversation on Patreon that you've uh, that you've had there. We're going to try and get as much expert analysis across the Patreon platforms. Uh, there's only one Patreon platform. Don't know why I pluralised it. Never mind. It's late. <laughs> um, Patreons. Uh, yeah, so uh, those of you who are with us already, join us for that. Norman and his... Uh, his reach across the globe is supreme in terms of getting guests on to talk about Newcastle United footballers. It's a joy to behold. Um, one of the things which is interesting about this, mate, is Luke Edwards confirmed last night in a Telegraph piece that Callum Wilson is out three to four weeks. Um, that's a huge blow. We're, 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 you know, e- Even with this signing, it is still a huge blow. So central is he to Newcastle's success since he signed, but particularly under Eddie Howe. Uh, massive blow, that. Been playing really well, really well. First three games of the season. Uh, I don't know how much that influenced uh, pulling the trigger on this signing, Luke Edwards tonight. This is not, you know, Luke Edwards hasn't been on the show for a little while. We'll miss him. Come back, Luke. Um, he's also reported tonight that uh, Newcastle's pursuit of João Pedro is now off. So it looks like it is an either or. People are saying. I think Chris Woff in the Athletic said that Newcastle were chasing three signings from the start of this week to the end of next week when the window closes, and that's one in. Uh, looks like Joe Pedro is not going to be one of them. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, who else comes in. Of course, lots of players linked. But for me, mate, I think Newcastle have set a really good precedent with the, the purchase of Bruno Gomorrah. And using him as a comparison, Isak is a player who has been well scouted and heavily linked to some of Europe's top clubs. I'm talking Barcelona, um, Arsenal, Liverpool and Bruno Gomorrah is the same for you for not for years but but certainly kind of the last six months of his time and last 12 months of his time at Leon he wasn't at Leon very long but he did really really well kind of from coming through the door and I think Newcastle what Newcastle are doing is we cannot offer European football currently and we can't offer the wages that the clubs that I've just mentioned there can offer for a number of reasons both financial but also the team that Eddie Howe was trying to build players that aren't on double the rest of the squad all that kind of thing um, and Newcastle are just kind of there lurking, you know. You know the, the players that are being consistently scouted by the best clubs in Europe. Newcastle United want to be part of that conversation, and there are very few players. You saw it with Darwin Nunes. Newcastle heavily linked in January to Nunes. Um, ends up going to Liverpool for mega money and doing something batshit mental in his home debut. Maybe escaped one there. Not very Eddie Howe, is it? Not in the player <laughs> when one nil down, um, but. I'm really impressed that Newcastle are so switched on and tuned into these deals. Make sure that the scouting network through how the owners, Ashworth, um, 
the head scout whose name always escapes me. And we're there when we're ready to try and kind of pick out the very best players that we can, players that other clubs are seriously looking into. How much do you think Arsenal regret missing out on Bruno Guimaraes for, for a relative snippet, something like £34 million plus add-ons? It's literally nothing in today's transfer fee. I mean, it's half an Alexander Isaac. He, nearly that's how good a deal it was, and, and I'm sure he'll do great. But it does kind of show that we're operating kind of in that middle market between you know, the best of the rest in the Premier League, West Ham and Leicester kind of in particular. I don't think that either of those clubs could pull off this deal. I think Newcastle United are almost like, and I think it was um, the new Chelsea chairman or owner who said the top six is now the top seven. Kind of a comment that's gone under the radar a little bit. The top six or the big six is now the big seven, including Newcastle United. And I think this signing goes a long way to kind of enforcing that belief. And that will be the belief across the rest of these clubs. And I think a signing like this for this kind of money sends a ripple through those clubs as well that they are going to have to move in the transfer market. Because what a lot of these clubs like to do, I think a lot of these clubs would like to give Isaac another season, another few months. He had a good start this season, scored against Barcelona at the weekend. Um, Interesting to know from you, mate, what the conversation you had with the journalist who covers the club said about his kind of drop-off in form last season because that's kind of been well-spoken about since, particularly by fans of other clubs. like Arsenal fans are, are right out on social media saying, oh, he's shit. Say, same as he said about Bruno. And he he, he was in such uh, well-regarded stock season 2021 that I think season 21-22 is probably the reason he's coming for New- to Newcastle rather than going to one of those super clubs. Possibly the... Impression I got, I mean, the answer that he gave really alluded to the fact that it was more a, just a confidence issue, a kind of dip, a dip in confidence for a, a period of time. That wasn't necessarily just Isak, by the way. That was the whole, really, the Real Sociedad squad, you know, because they had performed particularly well for a couple of seasons prior to that. And I think they just dropped off. And, and the thing is, you have to put it in the context of a club like Real Sociedad, right, that they have a couple of years where they, you know, they push for Europe, maybe. I mean, you know, you look back in the 80s, they, were, they won a couple of leagues, but oh, I'm talking over the last sort of 15, 20 years, and this happens in, in Spain with a lot of clubs. It happens with clubs like Athletic Bilbao, for example. They'll they'll have a couple of good seasons. Some of that players will really shine. And then, you know, you, you have to look at the the whole part of the team. And eventually there's a little bit of a drop-off because may, maybe the players in the team aren't quite the quality of Isak or aren't quite the quality of Mourinho. And that affects the, like the, the individually brilliant player. I can't just maintain this outrageous form if, you know, the rest of the team aren't kind of maintain the levels that they have for a couple of seasons. So I... The impression I got was is that it, it was just a, a confidence thing that he really didn't necessarily get the get the kind of chances that he was getting the previous season, and he said it's not anything to do with his ability dropping off. It didn't seem to be a, a desire issue. It's just more more of a psychological lack of confidence. I think it's almost I got the impression that it was. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He's ready for that change. He needs that new challenge, right? He scored 16 goals, I think, in his first season, 17 goals in his second season, which is really good figure for La Liga in six last season. I don't think he's turned into a bad player overnight. I just think he needs a new challenge and he needs to be surrounded. In order to take him up to the next level, he needs to be surrounded by players who are at the next level. And I think Newcastle have got that. Yeah, and I mean, six foot three, some real height in there. I don't think he uses his height, but, you know, probably in La Liga as well as we would expect a six foot three centre forward to. But he certainly seems to fit the mould of kind of you know fast, skillful players that Eddie Howe wants. Players that can uh, implement Howe's pressing system, can win the ball high up the pitch and put pressure on defenders, and also do the business in the penalty area, as well as being able to drift wide and interchange a little bit with the the rest of the front three. So, just really excited, mate. And, and I put a tweet out today, basically saying it's less than one year since we wouldn't pay the uh, loan fee for Hamza Chowdhury. Um, <laughs> Seems like from it was a different life, mate. There was they were different people supporting a different football club. Well, interestingly, I was talking with someone today, and I was comparing the signing of Isak and really all the signings that have happened since the new ownership took over. And I, I got thinking about the Luke Remy deal, if you remember all those years ago, 2014, I think it was for the 14-15 season or 13-14. I can I can't remember. 13-14. 1340, and I do try and block quite a bit of that out. But um, Luik Remy, if you remember, he was linked for ages. I think, in fact, he was linked in the January transfer window of, of the previous season, and it just went on, and it went on, and it went on. And eventually, it's almost as if every single option for Remy had been exhausted by his agent. And he was like, right, it's just no asset left standing, mate. You're going to have to take the deal. And he did, compared to what it is now, where it's like not one of us had this Isak on our radar until 48 hours ago. I mean, 24 hours ago. 20 hours ago. The, the, the tweet that I got sent over the phone saying, you're on the verge of signing um, Alexander Isak. I was like, where the hell did that come from? That's the difference now, right? It's the club are just doing business. They're doing business behind, you know, behind doors. They're not letting, they're not letting these leaks out. I mean, you know, Joao Pedro, you could argue, went on for about a week, but ultimately it, it's not like, as I say, this kind of dragged out, protracted negotiation where we're offering them, like, you know, 50% less than they actually want. It's like, we want Isak, we're going to go to him, we're going to pay the release clause, boom, deal's done in 24 hours. What a difference. Yeah, and that a lot of the business Castle have done this summer has been like that. Nick Pope was kind of done as soon as it, as soon as the, it's all, they're almost kind of being linked or leaked once they're actually here, they're out the training ground mm-hmm. doing the medical. And it's great to see, and it does make you think about a lot of the other targets and um, you know links that are out there in the press. Whilst I'm sure there's some validity to a lot of them, I really do enjoy the way that the club are doing their business right now. The kind of undercover, it's kind of if you're hearing about it to this level, then it's done. And um, yeah, just a, it's just a great time to be a Newcastle fan. And let's move on, mate, to the to the game on Sunday, which neither me or you were at. Uh, both watched it from afar, but there's a lot to talk about it. Obviously. The lads, uh, Adam Ben, 
So I did a great job on the podcast Sunday, just gone. But me and Norman uh, both messaged each other basically at the same time and saying, we've got to do a deeper dive in this. We've got to do a state of play podcast on this performance and on this game. Where would you like to start, mate, on this fixture? What What do you want to say? Wow, well, that's a question because there's so many areas to focus on. We won't have time to go through everything we want to talk about, I imagine. Um, but first and foremost, what I would, I guess, focus on is the fact that we went a goal down very early on against Man City. And for the first time, I think, in... God knows how many years. Definitely for the first time since Man City got their massive investment back in what eight or nine, we've got a goal down to them, and I've genuinely thought it doesn't matter because we can come back here, and we did. And my God, but it wasn't even Alex. It wasn't even like we conceded a goal after five minutes, and it was heads down. I think was the, the goal we conceded against them last season was that a Kieran Clark error, perhaps that let yeah, them score very early on. Yeah. And at that point, even last season, you're thinking, I that that we're probably we're probably done now. You look at the, you know, you actually look at the eleven that we had out that day compared to the eleven that we had out on Sunday. You look at how long Eddie Howe had been in charge by the point he'd been in charge by Sunday. You look at just the absolute and utter transformation in what nine months. It was so it's been so huge that we went to go down to Man City, and I genuinely didn't feel that known sensation that pit in my stomach that. Oh, that's probably it, no, isn't it? I thought we had a goal and we and mate, it's just the way we came back, like instant, like like instantaneous. We absolutely pressed them from the moment we conceded that goal. And we're going to find our details. Obviously, you'll, you'll put more questions to us and there'll be more to talk about. But what I will say to you is that for the what 50 minutes, I would say, after we conceded that first goal, that's probably in my lifetime the best I've ever seen a player. And I'm not exaggerating the reason, you know, everything's to do with context, right? So, obviously, I saw performances from Newcastle and Aitland and Kevin Keegan that were magnificent, right? We tore teams apart. You could argue under Dalglish there were a couple, i.e. Barcelona at home, for example. Uh, under Robson, certainly there were some fantastic performances. But the context was completely different. Those Newcastle United sides, especially the Keegan-Robson ones, were expected to be at the top end of the table. They were at the top end of the table. They had been decent sides for one, two or three seasons. We've gone from being this absolute clapped out three-wheel Robin line of a football club race that, trying to race against Ferraris to be in like a Ferrari ourselves within the space of nine or ten months. So that for me is why it was so good. But but even, even then, I actually look at what was going on on the pitch, the intensity that we attacked. One of the best football teams in the world, by the way, a team that's won the title four times over the last five seasons in England. We attacked them. We dominated them with a, a, a skill and with a a kind of an organisation and a desire that I, I just, I don't recall seeing all these, all these factors coming at once. It was, it was absolutely phenomenal. I know it wasn't for 90 minutes, right? I know I might sound like Steve Bruce will play well for 20 minutes, but um, <laughs> we were dominating one of the best teams in the world for 15 minutes. This game, bullying them out of the game, mate. It was it was extraordinary to watch, and uh, you know what, what people. If you listen to this, or if you've got a season ticket, you go to games and you try and pick games to go on holiday. I picked this game, thinking, "Oh, it's Man City." <laughs> I I've got to change my mindset to not make such an error because fuck me, watching Kieran Trippier's go live must have been some experience. You are absolutely right in everything. There's lots of different things I could pick out to agree with you and extend on, and like you say, we can't do it. Also. I want to talk about three key moments in this game that 
I just have so much respect for Eddie Howe for in particular. That that respect when I talk about Eddie Howe, if Eddie Howe was on this podcast, which would probably never happen, or he was speaking to the press, he's always keen to point out any praise towards him should be directed at the players, the coaching staff, the owners, everyone. So I'm giving Eddie Howe praise here because he's the manager. I'm sure it goes beyond Eddie Howe and the players deserve credit. But there are three three main things I want to pick out in terms of key moments that kind of signify the strength of of, of change of direction that this football club has undergone. And you've picked out one of them, uh, which was five minutes when you go 1-0 down. But I'll go before that. And, and there was some discussion last week, uh, and I asked a question on social media to people saying, uh, I, I put to people, it will be very interesting to see how we approach this game tactically, whether it's more of Arsenal at home, more of just what you would say is template Eddie Howe Newcastle United, Press high, press hard, play a reasonably high line, um, try and win the ball high up the pitch, uh, leave gaps in behind so you're potentially vulnerable. But but that gamble, as we've seen against Forest, as we've seen against lots of teams, but particularly that Arsenal game at the end of last season was kind of the template of like, well, if we can reproduce this next season, we will be a seriously good side. And that's probably been the basis of my belief that we'll push the top six this season. Alex here, you know that you've just been listening to me on the main podcast, um, as well as our usual ads this week, I'm going to try and sell you or convince you to click a link at the bottom for NordVPN. First time I've ever done anything like this, but you know what, Newcastle are class, why not? Anything is possible, particularly if you compare where we were 12 months ago when we couldn't afford Hamza Chowdhury's loan fee. Okay, NordVPN, are you missing out on your favourite show because it's not available in your region? Do you want to improve your overall internet security? Well, you should give NordVPN a try. Using the link at the bottom of the description of this podcast on your podcast listening app, you're going to receive a huge discount on a two-year plan with one free month. Uh, as we all know, privacy is a massive deal these days. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or your location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature which protects you from intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. There is literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, champion. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never, ever happened. Check out the link in the description of this podcast and get your subscription started today. From minute one, Newcastle United did it. Now, the, the opening seconds of the Forest game, we kind of forced through our press and we forced a corner. The opening seconds of this game, one of Man City's players kind of slices the ball off for a throw and you're thinking, fuck me, we're up for this. This this isn't just going to be... Uh, what I put on social media was, you know, how's it going to go? And a lot of the responses, quite reasonably, were saying, you can't you can't press this team. This is Manchester City. You have, you have to get men behind the ball. You have to play five at the back. You have to change your formation. You have to drop ASM. You have to do all these things. And no one is more wrong about football than I am. Um, but that that approach, Eddie Howe could have done any of those things. And, and, and Eddie Howe was thought, as a man who had lost every single Premier League match against Man City up to that point, every single one, that would scar some managers. The beatings he has taken at the hands of both that club and that manager, God, you got at the hands of those players, at the hands of Kevin De Bruyne. 5-0 last, 9-0, an aggregate last season. To come out minute one and do that with all of that context, that is extraordinary to me. And I don't think there's been enough made of the absolute 
balls it takes to do something like that. Now, Newcastle, yeah, the self belief. Newcastle have got good players, but they don't have better players than Manchester City. Probably in any position. Probably. As much as we love these guys, it's very hard to make that case. Probably. And to, to, to face up to that team and think, we are going to make life difficult for you in your half of the pitch. Not just We're not just going to defend well, defend deep and defend in numbers and make it difficult in that respect. And Man City don't really find that difficult, let's be honest. They probably want teams to play like that. And, and to do that from minute one, it just takes so much. And, and he did it last season against Man City at home. And, and we on this podcast and lots of other people praised him despite defeat 4-0. The fans in that game stayed behind the team because, yes, it went tits up, but it was so obvious what we're trying to do. This was like that times 100. And, and regardless of the outcome of that game, I watched that in the first minute and thought, you know what, this is, this is, a, this is a manager who, like you say, who trusts his players, who's got a style of play. It will backfire at times. We will probably take some beatings at home. Because if Man City go two up in that situation, it becomes very, very hard, doesn't it? But we didn't. They didn't go two up. We made a couple of saves, Norman. That's an interesting point you make about taking some beatings at home. But I look at it like this: Man City are the best team in England now, and I think by quite a stretch. Actually, I think Liverpool's start of the season obviously they'll improve, but I still think there's something not 100 percent there. I think you look around at other teams, Arsenal are doing well, etc. Spurs under Conte are maybe the only team who, you know, if we played like that against Spurs at home, Conte on the counter, they could give a bit of a beating. But that was Man City at home and we didn't lose them. I think most teams we play like that against at home would probably get something. So I don't I don't see these beatings happening. Maybe maybe I'll be completely wrong, mate. You can replay this to us. But um, I, at the moment, I think that we, that's the, that's the template for home matches against most teams. And I think we'll probably get quite a lot of points. And also, you look at, our home record since how took over since the turn of the year. I mean, have we lost? Liverpool. Um, and, and I was going to talk about the Liverpool game, but just to come back at you there, I don't think we'll lose this game. Maybe we're going to win every home game. We're fucking class. You see, we're against City. <laughs> like, but, 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 but by definition, by opening yourself up more, by leaving space in behind, by leaving space in midfield like we do, the possibility at least rises that these very, very good teams, particularly in the counter-attack, will harm you. And, and, and the strength of Manchester City's chances on, Sunday proved that, but we also mm. had chances, and like it's it's a balance act. But for him to do that from minute one, an extraordinary decision, and an incredible belief, and in, in such trust that he has in the players to deliver what he's asking. I don't think, maybe apart from Liverpool and Arsenal, the only two teams I think in the in the league, three teams now including Newcastle, would face Man City like that. That I genuinely believe that. You watch Spurs, you watch Chelsea, you watch Man United against Man City. The setup like we would under Bruce against them with better mm-hmm. players and maybe they're a little bit higher up the pitch. It's on a, it's extraordinary. I'm I'm so so proud of them. That's before we get into the match. Minute five goal, one nil down, and it's a poor goal between Trippier and Shaw between them. It's a poor goal. And for and and for, for that to, to for heads not to go down, for the to continue the game plan, for them to continue forcing Manchester City backwards. Manchester City, not a team used to passing the ball backwards. Again, extraordinary. Third point, and Eddie Howe said this in a post-mass press conference, was that he said, oh, what do you say to the players at half-time? And he said, keep pressing, keep pressing. So he's come at half-time, 2-1 up, and Newcastle come out in the second half and are, again, miles better than the opposition for a short period, albeit. And again, like it's, it's, I'm not sure we've seen something like this in English football for a long time. And by... By that, I mean um, 
the fact that Newcastle player for player are much worse than Manchester City. I can't think of another team that have approached a fixture against them like this in this era or against Arsenal under Wenger. Um, I would go back before that because football was a little bit different. Or against Klopp's Liverpool. You know, maybe Southampton at times, maybe Brighton, maybe. But I don't think so. I don't think so in the same in the same manner to, to press as hard and as high up the pitch. It's just something I've never seen before, and I'm so pr- I'm so proud of them for doing. It. I'm I'm so pleased that the that the, that there was reward for, for for that approach. And let's face it, this is a game when Newcastle were denied a stonewall penalty when the centre forward went off injured pretty early on. Um, when kind of I'd say two of Manchester Manchester City goals had a large slice of fortune. Definitely the third goal. People talk about a, a great pass from Kevin De Bruyne. It takes a huge deflection of Joe Willock to land perfectly. For, for the Manchester City player to score. So I just I just kind of think if you ignore the result and you ignore Trippier's free kick in the context of this conversation, what Newcastle United did in this fixture is is it's just something that isn't really happening in the Premier League. And whilst our detractors would throw it as now with Isaac um a two hundred million pound spend, that okay that, that that doesn't get us halfway to what Manchester City's teams cost. It doesn't get us halfway. Newcastle's wage bill is a it isn't halfway to what Manchester City's wage bill. And to to do that and approach that game like they did, despite those disadvantages, is is just something we haven't really seen from the rest of this league. And Eddie Howe was proving to teams that if you, if if you train well enough and you train hard enough and you improve enough, that you can play Fabian Share cost three million quid. Nick Pope, fantastic, ten million quid. These are not the signings that were thrown at us that we. That that were kind of mocked as a support, or you know, you, you think you're going to sign Neymar or X, Y, and Z. I don't think any Newcastle fan realistically thought. I don't want Neymar. I want Nick Pope for ten million quid. I want Dan Byrne playing left back out of position and putting in that performance. I want Alan Saint Maximin, who would, many people said would be dropped, putting in probably probably the best individual performance against Manchester City uh, outside of a Liverpool player for a long, long time. So I've eulogised a lot there, mate, about the about the setup and about the approach. I don't know if there's anything you want to say in particular about that or something else. No, you've covered that fantastically well. I think you mentioned players there. I want to see a £40 million forward who basically didn't look like you could play forward at all, turn into one of the best midfielders in the country. Um, I thought Julian was absolutely out of this world again. That's down to coaching. It's down to the fact that Julian's always been given a load of confidence and there's clearly a natural ability there. And it's taken Eddie Howe to come in and look at the raw materials that Julian's got. And thought, you know what, actually, you're going to be better here and more effective here. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, a couple of individual performances to pick out, as well as Joe Linton. Joe Willock, who I think in the first couple of minutes, he put a couple of ragged passes in. He looked a little bit off the pace. And then all of a sudden, we break out. And on the left-hand side, he absolutely rinses. He rinsed Kyle Walker in that one particular run that he made on that uh, left-hand side of the pitch. And, you know, we saw it last season, didn't we, Willock? He's got this burst of speed, this confidence to break through. He did it against Leicester last season, which resulted in a last-minute winner for um, injury time winner for Bruno. He did it against Fulham away at the back end of the season that he was on loan. He basically ran the full length of the pitch. And it's that confidence that a player like Willock has to to do that and the fact that he's been developed by Howe. And I, and I look at it now and I think to myself, you know, we've got players on the pitch who, are, who have got the, you know, the self-belief to attack players like Kyle Walker to attack Man City and to take them on. I mean, ASM, we, we know has always had that, that confidence, but for me, it is, it's the, it's the self-belief in those kind of players that you, you thought mightn't be 
you know, necessarily as good as what we thought they were, or they might just be that level below. No, I'm seeing performances out of these players now that make me think, actually, at the start of the season, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm looking at you, I'm, I'm with you, I'm seeing, oh, I think we'll get sixth, I think we'll get sixth. But, you know, there was a little bit of kind of hyperbole attached to it, a little bit of that pre-season hopefulness, because I thought we are weak in certain areas. The players that we love on the pitch maybe aren't at that level. But I'm looking at them now and I'm thinking to myself, well, why the hell not? I mean, you mentioned players that Man City have, you know, none of ours would get in their team necessarily. Well, I tell you what, I'd, I'd rather take any of our centre-backs over near than Aggie. So there's one, right? Um, you know, it's it's not like, it. yes, Man City are better than us, but I look at the rest of the Premier League and I just think to myself, actually, these players are probably even better than I thought they were. And I think, you know, that Willock, as I say, was was one of them. Certainly, obviously, um, uh, Joel Inton. Dan Byrne, you mentioned there, I thought Dan Byrne was sensational. And don't get me wrong, when we first signed him, I was delighted because I thought he's a Jody, he's done well at Brighton, he's been playing for Potter for a couple of years. But I think he's even gone on a level since he got a Newcastle mate. And I look at them and, and it, I get the impression that they all seem to want to improve. And We've got a load of leaders on the pitch as well, but obviously a special mention does have to go for, for Kieran Trippier because he has just been sensational since he got here. And, and also, I thought his captaincy on Sunday was was clearly brilliant. You know, as you say, he was involved in the goal that Man City scored, that misunderstanding between him and Shea. But because he's so good, that won't affect him at all. It wouldn't affect him at all. We saw the performance he put in. Um, he put in a slightly dubious challenge, which was was fun, obviously, while it lasted, uh, how, it, how it transpired. But... He was brilliant. And and just finally, mate, I want to talk about um, Nick Pope because we did a podcast with uh, Mike Burnley fan pre-season uh, when we signed Pope. And he said, what you're going to see is somebody who can read a game very well, but makes so many saves without actually using his hands. It's untrue. And what did he do on Sunday? He's saving the saves that he makes with his legs are fantastic. And also what he does is he just gets player moving incredibly quickly as well. And he's professional. You know, he took a fall at one stage when Man City were putting the pressure on. I think that maybe he scored the second or the equaliser, and he just feigned a bit of injury for a few minutes to kill, to kill time. You know, this this experience that we have in that team now, coupled with the ability, coupled with the excellent management of how it's dead exciting, mate. It really it really is. I mean, I'm, I, I cannot wait to go to Wolves on Sunday, and I t- can't remember ever saying I can't wait to go to Wolves. <laughs> yes, and um, full Wolves preview uh, uploaded tonight, actually. On our Patreon platform, for people who want a deeper dive into that fixture uh, taking place on Sunday afternoon, player I want to talk about, mate, is ASM. Uh, very interesting player. Couple of things have come out recently. One, Craig Hope has reported in the mail that uh, he wants a new contract. Only signed a new six-year deal in 2020, so that might be difficult for him. You can imagine he was probably the best-paid player at the club there, alongside Callum Wilson. That might not be the case now after recent acquisitions. And it's a really hard conversation about Mm. ASM because at different stages of his Newcastle career, he has been different things to different people. So he he goes through the stage of being like fairly injury prone first season, Um, but you know, incredibly incredible output. Uh, He then starts last season under Bruce, um, very very well responsible for goals that kind of just keep Newcastle in touch. But I don't know what Bruce had three points from eight games when he left. All three points pretty much down to one man. And that's ASM. And as Newcastle have improved, his output has waned. And that's uh, led to questions about his um, his ability, but also his, his personality. If you look at signing a player for 20 million quid, the output that he's given us, uh, both in terms of assists, goals, and general approach to play in general 
value for money and watch him play football. He's been an absolutely sensational signing. He's mm -hmm. been a brilliant signing. One thing that has to be said about Newcastle, and I hope it continues, of course, but you know, over the past few years, there have been some bad players. But really, you know, Joe Linton, um, Fabian Shaw, uh, ASM, Callum Wilson, Miguel Amaron, I'll throw in there for something like 16 million quid. Fantastic signings at this level to be able to compete at the Premier League at the level they are for the money they were bought at. They've, they've been superb signings, and I'll throw ASM in there. I kind of feel, and I, I'm not going to disagree with Kieran Trippier because who, how dare I do such a thing? You know, when he talks to ASM and he talks on camera about more consistency, he's right, particularly in terms of output. I do feel a little bit bad for ASM that people want him to produce what he produced on Sunday more often. And the reason for that is quite simple. When we play Nottingham Forest, at times in the second half, and, and he was still a key attacking player who got shots off, he got crosses in, he won corners, he's got five. He's got five lads around him. You try doing some of the five lads around you. It's very difficult. doesn't mean he can't do better. doesn't mean he should score and assist more. I think he does for his talent in the team he's played in. Man City, first half and start of the second half, gave him the freedom of the pitch. Yes, he he has to rinse Kyle Walker repeatedly, and he does that. So that's well done to the player because you can only beat the man in front of you. But really, there's very he's consistently left one-on-one -on -one against his fullback. It just happens so rarely in other games in James's Park. As Newcastle go 3-1 up in that second half, ASM consistently has four or five players around him, which is a victory, by the way. That's a victory for the player, it's a victory for Howard, it's a victory for Newcastle United in terms of forcing Pep Guardiola Man City side to do that. Um, but it's going to be very hard for ASM to produce that kind of performance that kind of scintillating, destroy, like team-destroying performance that he did to Man City because teams allocate so much resources to him. The good news for him and us is that the better we get and the better players that we sign, it's going to be harder and harder for, to do what Forrest did and stick five around him or do what Man City did and stick at least three around him in possession in the second half. So I agree with Trippier, and I, I thought it was really telling that Trippier talked about that Everton game at the, the, the start of last, sorry, at, in February last season. Um, crucial victory at home that were won. Trippier played that night, scored a free kick. But also, it was probably the last time that we saw ASM at full flow like we did on on Sunday. Everton, and you know, Everton left them free, but that was just bad management by Everton's manager and Everton's team because they were in the relegation zone at the time, I think. Um, bit of a madness to do that. So, great to see ASM do so well, and he was fucking brilliant. But I just want to be cautious about saying yeah do it every week mate because if the opposition are going to devote a lot of resources to doing that it's almost impossible to do that every week doesn't mean he needs doesn't he needs to improve his goal and assist ratio because he's capable of doing it that cross for Almiron um the equalizer wow what a cross what an absolutely brilliant cross with his right foot be very interesting to see who we sign if we sign another player for the left side this window because there is a school of thought that ASM should move across to the right and cross a lot more. Wilson would certainly perform more crosses. Um, he's like, I don't know, never seen the bloke play. I don't know if you want to say anything on ASM, mate. No, he makes some very good points. I think the fact that he does usually have three, four, five players around him at, at times. You know, it, it does stop him doing what he wants to do. He can't, he can't take out three or four players in one move. I mean, we've seen him do it sometimes, obviously. But obviously, what that does is it frees up space for other players, right? 
So if we are playing teams at home that are expected to beat, and the reality is we're in a position now where we're going to be expected to win most of our home games, right? We're going to start those games as favourites to win that game. And other teams are going to look at the team and think, well, we need to stop ESM for a start. So we're going to have to put three players on them, basically. That, that's what they're doing. And that's going to open up space for, as you see, the, the higher quality players are bringing in. You've got Bruno coming through from midfield, Willick, um, Joe Linton. Obviously, we know he can do box-to-box rule. Almiron, who, look, there's a lot of criticism of Almiron. We know that, right? He can't finish. He can't score with his right foot. Uh, you know, he had a great chance on Sunday from another ESM ball, I believe, actually, when uh, he should have put the ball in the back. Then he came, he came through and skied it. Um, but even freeing up more space for players like Almiron, because there's this focus on ESM, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to score We're going to score goals without ESM being directly involved. If you see what I mean? Whereas if you, you dial the clock back a couple of years under the previous manager, for example, we just couldn't score goals out ESM. It's as simple as that. That's no longer an issue now. So they can put two or three players on them if they want. They're just going to get damaged elsewhere. And again, they'll probably start... Teams will probably start working that out as we get better. They'll, they'll think, well, actually, we can't dedicate all these resources to one player because they can hit with anywhere on the pitch. So, you know, you're going to see, with, again, with a higher level of player coming into Newcastle, you're probably going to see eventually better performances from ESM as well because you won't have those three players marking them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, mate. And let's, let's move it on then to kind of what is to come. Um, I think the point is really important on... On Sunday, and, and me and you, I know for sure, would still be doing this podcast, still eulogising about that performance and the approach. Had Man City got a 90th minute winner, I don't think it changes too much. Um, but I think it's important, it keeps us unbeaten. Two very mm-hmm. tough games coming up now, two very tough games coming up. Um, Wolves away and Liverpool away, you'll be at both, for true faith. And Newcastle currently sixth in the league, five points from the three games, um, only two points behind Manchester City. It's it's a really interesting position to be in, and there's like we've talked loads about what Newcastle should be aiming for this season, uh, about what both what fan perception um, is, what the perception of the club and the players could and should be. Has Newcastle's start to the season, mate, both in terms of these three games and performances and results, uh, altered or amended your expectation for the season moving forward? It's reinforced it. I think the performance against Brighton wasn't the best, but we didn't lose. I think looking at teams in the Premier League at the moment, I actually think Brighton are going to surprise a lot more people. That, that's kind of what they do, right? They've, they've improved season on season. So a nil-nil draw there for me was it was a, was a good result despite elements of the performance. I thought against Forest, we were absolutely superb. And, you know, it, I think the initial reaction from quite a few pundits, you know, from maybe certain people on social media was, but it's only Forest, and we've seen since actually that Forest aren't as bad as what people maybe thought, Thought, and I think that was something that we discussed pre-season. They're not a bad side. We demolished them. 2-0 wasn't a fair reflection of the game. It should have been a lot more. Um, and the performance against Man City was sensational. The way I look at this, mate, is none of the positives have surprised me. None of them. So I'm looking at it now thinking, I, what I was feeling pre-season wasn't hyperbole wasn't that misty-eyed optimism you get pre-season it was like no no I'm looking at what's in front of me and we've got a very good squad a very good first 11 an excellent manager and a crowd that at home games especially I mean Man City for example just the, the positivity it must have it must have an impact right it must have an impact on what's going on in the pitch there is so much positivity there and I mean I'm I'm convinced I'm convinced that will finish top eight. And if we finish top six, I'll be delighted. But at the same time, I won't be massively surprised. I'm going to get, this is going to blow back my face, isn't it? It really is. 
No, it's not, mate. No, it's not. You got to embrace it. You got to you got to embrace Newcastle exactly. or a or a good side. They're a good football team for the first time in a long time. They've got they've, they've got, there's pressure on 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 the the players still. You know, Wolves and Liverpool. It is not inconceivable that Newcastle end up with zero points. Whether it be refereeing, we could just have a bad day at the office. Um, Wolves, but deep down, you think we will do deep down? No, no, I, I, I think we'll get four points. I, I really do. Liverpool. Fortunately for Liverpool, they've got probably the best fixture they could hope for, apart from Forest at home this weekend, and that's Bournemouth at home, and that will give them enough of. I imagine they'll win that by several goals, despite their recent troubles, and they'll bounce into us. But let, let's see how we get on with Wolves. Wolves have had a difficult start, but then put in a much better performance at Spurs at the weekend. Uh, they look much much better. So it's it's just it's just a really interesting couple of games. This is a company in a sec, pal. This is what good teams have to do. You've got to back up your performances with another good performance and another good performance after that. It's not okay to be a kind of one and two side. You have to be at it every single game because the Premier League is relentless and you don't want to win. like if we if we lose at Wolves, you're squandering that point at Brighton. You're squandering battling out three three with Man City. Against against the referee and against Wilson's injury, pal. I completely agree. I look at the Liverpool game, and right now, my instinct is that we might lose that at tight game. Look, I've got I'm going there with a lot more hope than I have in a long time. But ultimately, I'm looking at this Wolves game as being more important for maintaining this excellent start of the season and getting three points there. And I spoke to, I was on a Wolves podcast yesterday, and. I asked the lad. I've done actually. I've done an opposition view. I know with the, with the very same podcast for for listeners that went out today. And I thought Wolves were terrible towards the end of last season. I thought the form was spinning over into this season. Looking at the fact that I haven't um, done won any games, they've only picked up one point. They're struggling to score goals. The same old, same old problems. But the lad was actually saying that they've improved. They've improved the squad, and he seemed to be very confident. But for the first time in God knows how many years, I didn't really care about Wolves in that sense. I didn't actually care about how good they might be because. I'm looking at this fixture thinking, you know what? On paper, we're better than you. Our form is better than yours. I'm not worried about you. You should be worried about us. And I genuinely feel we can go to Wolves and get the three points. It'll be a tight game, but I can't see why we shouldn't be looking at that game as three points. The Liverpool game, whatever happens, happens. You know, you put it to bed if we lose it, if we get something brilliant. But Wolves, I think, is a is a big game. And I think getting something out of it is actually quite important. I agree. Uh, despite the signing, despite the signing of Isaac, if Callum Wilson had been fit for both of those fixtures, I'd feel I'd feel more confident because like so important is he. It's a big one for Chris Wood. Whether he starts, I don't know. Uh Wilson's loss, if it is for two to four weeks, it's still a huge loss. It's a massive loss, mate. Wilson's a massive loss. And mentioning the Wolves podcast, the lad Sam asked me about Wilson because he's an England fan, Sam, and he, he basically said I don't think there's a better number nine in England other than Kane. And even then, that's debatable when Wilson's firing on all cylinders. And he asked about the injuries. And I said, I, I fully expect him to get injured less because he's at a new club with different conditioning, etc. But obviously, look at his record at Bournemouth. And he did suffer quite big, bad injuries at Bournemouth as well. And the fact that he's out injured again, it is, it is a concern. And I think Isak coming in was absolutely vital now, if you look at it, because we really do need, unfortunately, to think about the possibility of Callum Wilson being on for quite big chunks of the season. It might not happen. It might not happen. But looking at his historical injury record, looking at the fact that he's just gone out again after having a full pre-season as well, by the way. I know this is, you know, it's all bad luck would have played its part, no doubt. But at the same time, yes, I feel that his injury record is a bit of a concern. And 
I just hope to God that Isak can hit the ground running because if Wilson's injured, as you say, it could cause big issues. But, you know, what? we've just spent 70 million quid on a, on a Swedish international who's been compared to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I mean, it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> we'll leave it there, pal. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks to everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like the podcast that me and Norman have just done, we'll do at least one of these every single month, just a chat between me and him. Like I said, there's probably going to be 15 podcasts this, this week alone on Newcastle United. It's a lot to listen to. You don't have to listen to them all. If you sign up on Patreon, it's £8 a month, £2 a week, but you get access to like the 1,200 podcasts on Patreon as well that we've done since 2018 if you want to go and make yourself really miserable by listening to some of the dark times in the past. Also, some of the good times too, though. So thanks very much, Norman. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We're back with the True Faith Free podcast. Monday, when we'll speak to Norman about his trip to Wolves. Cheers. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com